Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Amen. Well, welcome this morning. You guys can have a seat. Uh, for, the, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Oasis Church Chicago. And for those of you who are visiting us for the first time, welcome. Uh, if there's any folks online who are visiting for the first time, first time, welcome as well. It's so great to be in God's presence today and in his house as we gather together. Amen. Are you guys encouraged by that song? Man. No place I'd rather be. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to get to bring the word today. I'm greatly honored uh, as, a, as a pastor in this house uh, to, get to, to get to preach uh, as often as I do. And uh, I'm thankful today as well that Pastor JP and Rachel are away getting some much needed R&R uh, so they can be where they are, um, just relaxing and resting and enjoying that time together. Um, but so thankful to be here today with all of you that we can gather in this place. Uh, for those of you online as well, um, wherever you're tuning in from. It's just amazing that in this season, in this time as a church, uh, we can continue to gather and to grow together and to be united together in the midst of so much that's going on in our world. Uh, you know, I'm only 31 years old, but uh, these times that we are facing in 2020, and I know we see it all the time and there's jokes about it and memes about it, but like these truly are sometimes. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Um, these, are, these are certainly unique times and interesting times that we find ourselves both as individuals, as workers, as family members, as friends, but also as the church. And, I, and I, cert, I, I believe today more now than ever before that in these moments, God is calling us to take a stand and to take the right stand. He is calling us to rise up as his people and to be the church that he wants us to be. Not a previous image maybe of the church that America has said we are, not a, not a previous image of a divided church, but I believe now more than ever, Jesus is calling us to be a unified church. He's calling each of us as individuals now more than ever to find and to place our identity in him and him alone. Amen. Raise your hand in this morning in this place if that's what you want this morning. All right, all hands up. Come on now. This morning, I'm, uh, I'm wrapping up a series that we've been doing uh, called Culture Influencers. And we've been studying the book of Daniel uh, pastor JP and we had a, a guest pastor, Pastor David Stevens, come and preach to us. It's been an incredible series of learning how Daniel and, and guys like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, in the midst of significant trials in their own right, right? God's people, the Israelites, were in captivity in a nation, a foreign nation that they really knew nothing about. And they were taken there out of their own choice. They were in the land of Babylon the kings there, the rulers there, the authorities there were super uh, oppressive in regards to forcing all people in that city and in that nation to believe one thing, and that was to worship their king, to worship Nebuchadnezzar, and to worship false god in that regard. Statues were made, people were commanded to bow before it, and if they didn't, they were said, it was said that they were going to die and face that as a due punishment for, for going against what the, what the culture around them was saying to do, and yet, Daniel and these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood up with so much faith and so much confidence in knowing who God had called them to be and who God was, 
the one true God and what God's plan was for humanity. Even then, they had such a strong and firm and confident grasp into who God was and who God called them to be. And because of that, God used them. He completely flipped the table on that society. And he used them to be culture influencers where we see from the highest ranks all the way through that nation, people then turn to God in response. Because without a shadow of a doubt, they knew based on the faith of these few men who God was because their faith shines so bright in the midst of the chaos of this world. We've come a long way from that time, right? We've come to a, to a day and an age where things look a lot different culturally than what it did in that time. But we are called as God's people for the same plan and purpose. We are called as God's people here and now in 2020 and for years beyond to truly be culture influencers, influencing the world on behalf of God's plan for humanity, amen? And so this morning, uh, the title of this message as we kind of wrap up this series is called Identity Crisis. And we're moving on from Daniel. I'm gonna be reading out of a passage in the New Testament where Paul addresses the modern church. He addresses the church after Jesus Christ in his time on earth, in his ministry, he died, he rose again to take on the sin of the world and to save the world. And the church has now been established, but in our, in our human likeness, in our human tendencies, the, the church begins already to fall back into some consistent patterns. And specifically when it came to identity, the church got into a bit of a comparison match. And so this morning I'm gonna read from our, uh, the main passage today. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter three verses one through nine and verses 21 through 23. Uh, it should be on the big screen behind me as well. Big Bible, praise the Lord for big Bibles, amen. I'm gonna read this. This is Paul addressing the church in regards to identity. In the midst of what was an identity crisis and I wanna unpack today how we can combat these thoughts, how we can combat this happening in the church, but most importantly, how we, each of us as individuals can be sure of who our identity is in. So Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Quite an admonishment to kick things off, right? Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? You look like the world. Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service and you are God's field, God's building. Jumping to verse 21. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of 
Christ and Christ is of God. That last statement is the assurance of our identity right there. All are yours, you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that as we open your word, Lord God, your spirit would speak to us. May you deposit this word in our minds and our hearts, God, and might it, may it not just be a word of knowledge for us this morning, Lord God, but may it sit so deeply in us, God, that it truly changes who we are, that it changes us from the deepest parts of our being, God, to be assured of our identity in Jesus Christ and in you as our heavenly Father. And Lord God, I pray that, that this morning, God, as we reflect on our identities and, and as we are, are sure of who you are, God, that you would unite us as the body of believers, God, that you would unite your church now more than ever before, God, that there would no longer be division, God, that has existed in the church for so many years from the very beginning, Lord God, but that, that we would be able to, to look past that, God, and to reflect on the identity that you have given us as your church, as your body, God. May you strengthen us this morning as your people, God. And may you use us, Lord, to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, God. Use us as your instruments, as your vessel, as the church that you intended us to be, Lord God, so that we can go out and truly influence our culture in this time to tell the world about Jesus. We love you, God. We're thankful for this opportunity to gather together. We're thankful for your word, God, that you've given us with such clear truth. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Recently, I was uh, in, my, in, my, in my day job, I, I work in software development uh, in, a, in an ed tech company, and we were looking to fill a spot on my team. Uh, we were looking to interview a candidate uh, for, this, for this spot on our team. And you know, if any of you have been a part of like an interview process uh, and, you're, and you're scheduling something out like this, you, you have a very clear idea of the exact person that you need um, to fit that mold, right? To fit that, that role on your team. And, and you have a very clear idea of like the certain uh, characteristics and qualities and accomplishments and experience that you're looking for uh, in that regard. And so uh, we, we scheduled an interview uh, with, this, with this lady who was interviewing with us. And, uh, you know, right away I'm coming into it. I'm super excited. Like resume looks great. Uh, all the background, the history, everything she had looked really awesome. Super excited for the interview. And we started into the interview, me and another coworker who were, who were uh, doing this interview. And, you know, if you've been a part of that before, uh, the things you want to hear in an interview, like, if, whether you are the one being interviewed or whether you're interviewing someone, you want that person to really shine, right? You really want them to stand out. You want to know what they've done. You want to know what they're good at, what they're going to contribute to your team. You want to see excitement. You want to see the right amount of interest. Uh, basically, you just want to confirm in that moment. Like, you have one shot to confirm, like, hey, I'm ready to make a decision on this person because I know they are, like, the perfect fit for this role. So the interview begins, and we begin to ask her questions, and right away, I start to kind of notice this trend in her responses, and the trend was that when I would ask very detailed questions, like personal questions, saying things like, what are you most proud of? Her responses uh, tended to veer more towards the accomplishments of, let's say, her team or her manager. And what I was really desiring, like very early on and starting to notice is like she was saying very little about herself and the, the value that she has in herself and her contributions uh, to her current place and to where she, you know, what it would be like if she came to work with us. Um, and, and, and essentially for the rest of the interview, that's kind of where she stayed. Like I was, I was noticing she had a really hard time telling me about her identity as a worker and as someone who could contribute to our organization and spent just really all her time talking about 
everybody else. And that's not wrong, right? It's not wrong to talk about the team, the, the managers, those around us. We should, we should exhort those around us. We should encourage. We should promote and support. But I think that far too often as believers, we can have a tendency to do the same thing. Where if someone comes up to you and they say, hey, I, like if they know you're a Christian, let's say, let's play this out, right? Hey, I know you're a Christian. Like, what is it? Why is it that you're a Christian? Like, what gets you so excited about being a follower of Jesus Christ? And for most of my life, the way I would have answered that is I would have immediately said something like, oh, well, uh, you know, uh, my parents, like, they're so encouraging and inspiring to me. They're Christians. Uh, that's, you know, they, they told me about Jesus or my friends. Like, oh, I've got this great group of friends. They're all believers. Like, they just love me so much. They're so encouraging to me. They're so, they're so kind. Um, my church, uh, my church, you, you gotta hear about the list of activities of what we got going on at church. Like, I'll just come check out church, right? Like, my tendency for most of my life until now was to respond in that regard. I would go just right away to everybody else or everything else that defined me as a believer, as a child of God, instead of starting right away by telling people about the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done and is doing in my life as an individual. The fact that I should be so excited about telling people, hey, I know God. I talk to God every single day of my life. He hears what I say. He knows what's on my heart and my mind. And this is my identity. I fear like what Paul is addressing in, this, in the church here is that these, the, the people in the early church, they've already gotten caught up into comparing these guys, Paul and Apollos. They were both apostles in that time. They were both mighty men who were doing God's work to spread the gospel, to further the gospel all across uh, the, the area where they were. And the people find themselves just getting in this like this, almost like this bickering match of just like, well, I do this, well, I do that. Oh, and they're like, immediately they're just dividing themselves up into little camps. <laughs> and I kind of laugh at that because like, we're still doing the same thing today as the church. Paul wrote these words of admonishment towards them saying, hey, you gotta stop. Like you're basically, you're acting like infants in this regard. This is not what Christ Jesus wants for his church and especially not what he wants for each of you as individuals. Stop comparing yourselves and promoting everything else and all the other people around you as if it's something to attain to and recognize that each of us have been saved individually by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ and that his Holy Spirit has come to abide in each and every single individual one of us. There's a ton of value and a ton of support that comes from the church and I'm gonna get there, but what I wanna start with today first and foremost, is that each of us knows absolutely that our identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. If you profess him as Lord and Savior of your life, then there should, there should not be a single shadow of a doubt in your mind of who you have been made whole in, and that is Christ Jesus. His love is in you. His spirit is in you. The fruits of everything that Jesus came to do for us is now in you and abiding with you to strengthen you, to give you joy, to give you hope, to give you love, not only now, but for eternity. Amen? This is the truth of the gospel, and I hope that it sits deep with each and every one of us today so that we're no longer tempted to do the comparison game, right? In our culture, that's all they want. Everything in our culture is divided. It's so, like... The polar opposites that we are facing in culture right now is insane. The division. 
whether it's in politics, whether it's in church, whether it's in your family, it's like you basically, there's no more like range of options. You're either all the way this way or you're all the way that way. And the culture is gonna make you choose. And I'm not surprised by this. This is exactly what was happening in Daniel. The king said, you either worship me the king or you're dead. <laughs> there's no in-between option. What that meant for God's people is you either worship the false God or you worship the one true God. There's no time for in-between. And the same is true for us today now more than ever. There's no time for us to be caught in this middle ground of comparing ourselves and comparing church leaders. Paul says, yo, that's just human stuff. It's just worldly stuff. You're just doing what the world does. It's what we do all day long. When we leave the four walls of this church building today or when you leave your home, if you're tuning in online, you don't go on the internet for five seconds. This is all that's happening. The world is just, our country is just in a fight. We're just arguing and getting, going through it. And I'm just like, I'm tired of it. And the last thing I want is for the church to be participating in the same thing. Instead, what my hope and my desire for us today as people of God is that we are sure of one thing and that we desire one thing. And that is to be made whole and to, and to abide and to live in the relationship with Jesus Christ that he has given us. And for, then, for us collectively as the church to stand together and to be united and to be strengthened more than ever before so that we can go out into the world and when the world looks at the church, they say, wow, look at that united church. And if the whole church did this, we're talking billions of people according to what the internet says about the number of Christians in the world. But I trust it, right? I think if the whole church were to stand up right now and be united, that is an unstoppable force. Come on, can you imagine what would happen in the world if all of the billion plus proclaimed believers could actually be unified together in the one thing that holds us in common, which is our worship of Jesus Christ, our savior? The kingdom would be unstoppable. Jesus prophesied himself. He said the gates of hell, hell cannot prevail against it. And that is so true. But in order for us to see that happen, in order for us to see this revival, which I believe we are on the cusp of experiencing, each of us individually must determine and we must be sure in our minds and in our hearts of who our identity is in. And it's not in anything that this world is gonna offer you. It's not in your political party. It's not in your beliefs. It's not in what your family thinks about you. It's not in your job. It's not in your skills or lack thereof of certain skills. We have to stop comparing ourselves to others, and we must start by focusing on who Christ Jesus has called us to be as people. Amen? The good news is that Christ didn't just come and speak this, but he sealed it in us with the deposit of his Holy Spirit. That in our struggle, in our trials, in our weakness, which we all have, which is why we find ourselves in a very similar situation often to what even the scriptures talk about, is that his spirit is the one who can give us strength. We can't do it in our own human effort. We would just continue to, to look just like the world if it was just up to us as human beings. There's no way around it. But instead, he has given us the power of his spirit, a supernatural power that can be harnessed and that we can use to focus in on the work and the destiny and the plans that God has for each and every one of us as his people, as his children. I wanna read a passage from 1 Peter 2, 11 
through 12, it says this, and then we're gonna dive into just a couple points this morning. Peter says this, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, this is our status right now in this earth. I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. We are being attacked. The enemy is on the prowl right now and he's looking to destroy lives with worldly desires that wage against our souls. Be alert. <laughs> the enemy's out there. He can take advantage of any opportunity if we are not alert and on guard and centered on the power of the Holy Spirit in us to protect us from this. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Whoa, people are watching us, church. <laughs> I don't say that lightly. Well, there's a massive spotlight on the church right now. And the world is looking to see how the church is gonna respond right now with what's going on in our neighborhoods, our communities, our city, and our nation, worldwide. Live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, accusations only, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. This is the calling for us, church. This is what guys like Daniel did. When the opportunity presented itself, he chose to remain honorable. He chose to remain committed to who he knew God created him to be, to who he knew God called him to be. He did it without fear, he did it without hesitation, and we see exactly what happens. We see God's faithfulness in that moment when a guy like Daniel chose to respond the way he did and was used to influence an entire culture which the world would have said would have never been possible. It's amazing, but we have to be sure of our identity in order for that to happen. So my first point this morning is this. This is the first thing that marks us in our identity, and it's a, it's a simple truth. I know we've all heard it. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Recently, I was talking to my son, Rhodes. Um, I talked to both of my kids, and kids say the funniest things. There was like that show, kids say the darndest things. It's so true. Like, kids say the most ridiculous stuff, but it's so cute, and uh, it's, it's re it really is hilarious. So anyways, this year, well, Rhodes started, my son Rhodes, he's four now, but like, from the time he could talk, he has a, a, an amazing imagination, and he always thinks of things like in a very unique perspective, but what he wants to do, what he's really trying to do is convince you that like the way he thinks about it is the right way. So here's an example. Um, this summer in Chicago, obviously all the parks have been closed, and that's super disappointing for a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and the parents have had to feel the wrath of that, so if there's any parents in the room, I'm with you. Uh, parks get the kids' energy out, it allows them to sleep at night, uh, et cetera. So anyways, we are, we're talking about, earlier this summer, the kids are like, we wanna go to the park. And Rhodes like, I wanna go to the park. And I'm like, sorry, buddy, the park's closed. And Rhodes starts to do this thing where he, his immediate response is like, well, in my country, he does this so much. I'm like, what, where did you learn this? I didn't teach you this, son. He says, in my country, it would be this way. The parks would never be closed if we're like serving him vegetable, something that he doesn't like to eat. In my country, nobody would ever have to eat this food. <laughs> like he does this all the time. And I'm like, I, I, it's so cute. Like I'm just smiling, but I'm like, come on, man. Like you gotta listen to what we say, we're your parents. Our kids do this. I know Rhodes is not the only one. I did this. We do this as people. Where as believers, we have, pretend this is a Bible. We have the word of God 
that has been delivered to us with perfect clarity. The word of God is absolute. It is the truth. And yet we read the word of God and we nod our heads during a sermon and we listen to the worship songs and we read podcast, we hear podcasts and we're like, oh, this, this is so good. These are really great ideas. And then a couple days go by and we start thinking in our minds, well, if I could have it my way, it would look a little bit different. Like, I know, I know you say this, God. Like, I know who you say you are, but I just wanna be a little bit of me too. Like, I kinda wanna have, I wanna, I wanna do this part of my life, I wanna have it my way. Have it my way, BK. Is that where it's from? Burger? Never mind. Yeah, have it your way at BK. I don't know, I might be totally off on that one. Fact check me later. Um, anyways, sorry, bad joke. We wanna have it our way. And that's where the struggle begins, right? My son is four. I know eventually he's gonna wake up to the reality that his world does not actually exist, that he can't go start his own country and have all his own rules, right? But why do we still struggle with that? Why do I still struggle with that at the age of 31? Like, it's easy for me to say that about my son, and yet I still do the same thing in certain aspects of my life. I still wanna have it my way. I still look at God, my Father, and I say, God, I know what's right for me. I know what you've said about me. I know who you've said I am, but I still wanna be like this part of me. I still wanna go back to that, the old part of me. I look at that like profile pic from 10 years ago. I kinda liked what I was doing then, some, some of those things, right? We keep going back to the same thing. And Paul, in this passage in 1 Corinthians, there's a reason why he calls them infants. <laughs> He's like, you're literally just at infant stage again. Like you're barely at the stage again of just saying like, Jesus Christ, I believe in you as Lord and Savior of my life. He's like, it's time to move forward. It's time to embrace the simple reality of our identity. It starts with our identity. And the fact is that your identity, when you proclaim, when you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, it changes from that day forward. You are no longer the child. You are no longer the person that you were. You are now adopted into the family of God and you are a child of God because of what Jesus Christ secured for you, which is to have life and life abundantly, which is to be full of the power of his spirit and to have spiritual gifts that only our good heavenly father can give. The scriptures say parents give good gifts to their children all the time for their children who ask. How much more does our heavenly father know about the spiritual gifts that we really need to take us from infants into maturity as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ? And it's in our maturing that you'll begin to see the work of God unfold in and around you. It is unstoppable as you, as you are able to hone in and continue to grow and continue to desire to grow closer to the Father because you're so sure of your identity as a child of Him that He will begin to use you and mold you and make you into the culture influencer that He desires for each and every one of us. And then as we do that, each of us as individuals, Yo, that's when you get into unstoppable force territory, when the church then can combine together all as different parts of the body of the church, we will be an unstoppable force in spreading the kingdom of God across this entire earth. But we have to be assured of our identity first and foremost in Jesus Christ as a child of God. Jesus himself sets the ultimate example here. 
What Paul was doing when he talks about uh, this, this, this concept of like an infant and then a maturing child up to adulthood, it's like there's like a spectrum there, right? Jesus Christ, we know, was fully God and fully man. And so in being fully God and fully man, he is the perfect picture of what we as believers should attain to. We are fully human. We are not fully God. We are made in the image of God, but God made us as human beings, distinct people from God himself. But in the redemption story, in our salvation, we are given the spirit of God, which makes us whole and it makes us complete into what God created us to be. And it's the spirit of God that works in us and sanctifies us, big church word, the process of sanctification means being made holy as Jesus Christ is holy. When he calls us to be a holy people, to be holy as I am holy, what he's saying is you can't do that on your own, obviously, in your own human strength. There's nothing we can do to become holy. We are, we are completely sinful apart from the spirit of God. But when you put your faith and your trust in Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, when you, when you put him on the throne, he sends his spirit to sanctify you and to grow you, and to strengthen you, and to, and to bring you back closer to perfect communion with God the Father. So Jesus is the ultimate example. Paul says, right now you're infant stage. Let's get, you, let's get you moving. Let's get you moving, church. It's time to get past the infant stage. It's time to embrace what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart and in your life, and let that take hold, and let that strengthen you to be the child of God who he is truly calling you to be today. I wanna read three verses that go along with this. First, the first one we already read, and there's two more. Um, these are all from the writings of Paul that just help us fully grasp and understand what it means to have our identity as a child of God. The first was verses 21 through 23 in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, so then, no more boasting about human leaders. This is how do we get past the infant stage? How do we, how do we move forward to being the children God wants us to be? All things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, set all those things aside. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. All are yours. Those are heavy, those are powerful words. Yo, the Holy Spirit, all are yours. Jesus Christ says to his disciples, I'm leaving, but believe it or not, the things you see me doing, you're gonna do greater things because my spirit will be in you. My spirit is not gonna stop working. Jesus wasn't done in the 30 some years of his ministry. That was just the beginning. And we as the church are called to carry it forward, amen? And we can do it by the power of his spirit. All are yours, you are of Christ and Christ is of God. We have been sealed, we have been declared, we are, we are set apart to do his work as children of God. Second Corinthians 10, seven says this. You are judging by appearances. Hello, social media world. Internet, it's all about appearance. And it's such a deception. Paul didn't need social media to know this as a reality. Among people, we're all human. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. That's a word for each of us as individuals today. I know there's a tendency probably in all of us to compare ourselves to others. And in the church, we do this as well. Ah, oh, all the, my parents, such great godly leaders. That's true. But don't let that also 
speak to you and say, how can I get there? Don't let that just inspire you and then do nothing about it. Or my friends, like, oh man, you, you couldn't imagine. They've, like, the, the spiritual gifts I see in their life, like, the, oh, so many people they encourage, like, everybody who's in the room with so-and-so, they're just so full of joy. Oh, so nice. Yo, the Holy Spirit wants to do the same thing in you. The Holy Spirit wants to use each and every one of us to be his people, to be full of the gifts of his spirit, to be full of the fruit of his spirit. So we gotta stop comparing ourselves to pastors and leaders and fellow believers and instead be sure of our identity in Jesus and let him mold and make, and make you into exactly who he wants you to be, filled by his spirit, moving in the gifts of the spirit, going out confidently saying, I am a child of God today and I'm gonna go into the world and tell people and show people what that means. And then Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. Once again, he's thrown out the separations. Get rid of the separation. There's one thing that's important. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We don't need anything else today. If you belong to Christ, you are heirs according to the promise. You have been adopted and sealed into the family of God. That should be reason for us to celebrate today in this place. This is such good news. This is our identity. Second point is this, as I close. We are the church. We are children of God as individuals, and then we are the church. The church is something that Jesus founded. The church was founded on Jesus Christ himself. When we look up definitions of the church, it literally means this, the simplest definition of the church. Yes, it's a, it's a four walls, and it can be a building, and it can be activities. Those are all really great things, and we as a church are really blessed to have spaces like this in which, in which we can gather, especially in this nation. But the purest form of the church, which I feel like many times we fail to remember, is this. It is the whole body of Christians scattered through the earth, united in spirit. We as the church should be so united, and it starts here in our four walls. It starts in our O groups. It starts in our gatherings together in and outside of the walls. But the idea of the church and the, and the great commission that Jesus Christ put on his church is that we would be united first and foremost, that we would be one body so that when this phrase scattered throughout the earth, so that when we go, we are sure of who we are. That when we're sent out, even if it's just me or a couple of us, we're not here with this big group and there's a lot of confidence that comes in being in a group, right? There's a lot of boldness that we can have in these four corners, but would you have the same boldness when it's just you and one other person? Because that's what Christ calls us to be as his church, so that we can go out and spread the light of the gospel everywhere we go. That's gonna be really difficult, church, if we don't know who our identity is collectively. It's gonna be really difficult. If each of us has a different idea and slightly different beliefs and different preferences, and we start to go around thinking like, nah, I don't like how they do this, that, and the other, and maybe I'll you know, go try it over here, maybe I'll find something there I like. If that remains as our pursuit in life, that pursuit is gonna remain until you're at the end of your life. I hate to say it, 
The more we do to continue to compare and contrast and pit ourselves against each other and come up with slightly different beliefs here and there, like we're missing the one main purpose that Christ has called us to as his church, which is to be unified and united and sure of our identity, the church that he has called us to be so that we can fulfill the Great Commission, so we can go out and be prepared to spread the gospel when the world needs it most. And I believe right now more than ever, the world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the world needs to know, all of the individuals in the world need to know who Jesus is and what he has done to save them from their sin. Amen? Three more, two more verses here for, for this and I'm gonna close. Is that all right? Is this good this morning? Is this speaking to you guys today? I want us to be sure, so sure of our identities and who Jesus has called us to be. In Ephesians 2, 19 through 21, Paul once again says this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Remember that passage in 1 Corinthians. The people are, are, are getting caught up in just comparing Paul and Apollos. They were both apostles at the time, both mighty men of God who were furthering the gospel. They were, they were directly responsible for carrying out the great commission that Jesus Christ had put on his people just years prior. And then here, Paul acknowledges that. Then and here, he says, they're just fellow citizens. They're a part of God's kingdom. They're doing God's work to further the gospel but they're men. They're men filled by the power of the Spirit, but they're men. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Stop putting your focus on men. Stop talking about the pastors and the different beliefs among the pastors, right? Those things are just gonna, it is the way it is, guys. It's just how it is. We will always have differences and preferences, and that's okay. But the thing we need to understand today is that Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. And it says, in him, the whole building, the church, this is like the metaphorical building, the whole building, the church, the body, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Wherever we go, it's no longer four walls. We are the holy temple in the Lord wherever we go across the earth to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And then Romans 12, four through five says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, Another analogy here. And these members do not all have the same function, right? Going back to, we gotta stop comparing ourselves even to our fellow brothers and sisters. We're never all gonna get to the exact same place. We're never all gonna have the exact same giftings and talents and abilities. I pray that each of us prays and desires and seeks the Holy Spirit this morning to find exactly what he wants to do in and through you. We are each a vessel, we are each an instrument ready to be used by the Holy Spirit. These members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I have two closings. In the first closing, I wanna read a, a quote from a pastor and um, essentially a modern-day theologian. Um, his name's Nathan Finocchio. You can, he's, on, he's on social media a lot. I, I read this on a social media post, and it was really inspiring to me when I think about Number one, our identity. Uh, but number two, the role and kind of the, the position that we should place God and specifically the Trinity, right? This morning I've talked about God. 
I've talked about Jesus, his son, and I've talked about the Holy Spirit. In O Groups last week, we kicked off O Groups as a church, we talked about the Trinity. And he pairs this concept of the Trinity with identity. I think he says it so well here. I'm gonna read it, and he, he says this. The world, the flesh, and the devil still worked to condemn me and remind me of the ledger against me. The Spirit filled me and reminded me that I had been adopted by the Father. I was welcomed into the family by the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. The Holy Trinity also reconciled and justified and adopted many others who became my new family. I'm so thankful for all of you in this room. We relate to one another now in Christ by the Spirit, not after the flesh, material worldly walls that once alienated us from each other somehow faded into the distance as our common salvation and our Savior was experienced and seen. I wanna read that last line one more time. This is the vision for us as a church, that when we recognize that we have been adopted together into the family by Christ Jesus, the same material walls that once alienated us from each other have somehow faded into the distance as our common salvation in our Savior was experienced and seen. It's so clear. The scripture is so clear for us. Our identity is in Christ alone. Our cornerstone the one who we can stand on with 100% confidence, knowing that he loves you, he is for you, he is not against you when the world is against you, he wants to use you, he wants to build you, he wants to form you and make you and fill you into every good thing that he desires for you as his child. So this morning in closing, the second closing, <laughs> I want us to reflect in three different ways. And the first, I would be remiss to not give an opportunity for those of you in the room today or for those of you who, who are online who have heard this message and, ha and have not yet made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. So before we do that, I want us to all stand in this place and bow our heads. If that's you today, this morning, and you've heard the scripture today and you've heard me talk about a loving Father God and his son Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit who has come to save the world. If that's you today in this room, would you just raise your hand? You wanna make a decision today to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Or if you're online today, as we bow our heads, pray this together with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and my Lord today. My identity is now in you. Thank you for forgiving me my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life and help me be the person you've called me to be. The second prayer is a prayer of declaration for us as believers. 
This is a prayer where I hope today we can stand in agreement and we can proclaim from today forevermore who our identity is in. So pray this out loud with me as we declare this today about our identity being found in Christ Jesus. Your love is better than any other love. Your grace is all sufficient. Your gifts far outweigh the material. Your power is greater than any earthly authority. All my love is found in you. All my strength is found in you. All my joy is found in you. All my peace is found in you. And all my hope is found in you. Thank you.